Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are in the middle of a series right now, and our series is called Live Like. And the reason we're doing this series is because I really believe that we are in a season where we need great leaders. And maybe you've never felt like an incredible leader. That's okay. You don't need to. You know, leadership is not a title. It's not something you find in a business card. Leadership is just the impact or the influence that you have on other people. You know, when you read the Bible, there are all these incredible characters that are in there. In this series, we look at six characters who listened to God and led people through incredibly difficult times. And the whole idea of the series is this. If we can learn from the past, we'll be able to lead in the future. And so today we're looking at a person that I think is absolutely amazing. I mean, this person uh, was able to lead the people of Israel, God's people, into the promises of God. His name is Joshua. And Joshua was this incredible person that actually succeeded uh, Moses's leadership. And his name was changed from what it was to by Moses to Joshua. And it means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. Now today, if you have messed up your Bible reading plan and you just forgot to to stick with it, well, don't feel bad because today I'm going to catch you right on up. We'll read enough scriptures today to catch you right up for the week anyway. So I'm going to jump straight into the uh, Bible right now. And if you have one, maybe have you got one? Maybe you should get one. I mean, gosh, you're at home. It should be there somewhere. Anyway, you can grab your Bible and uh, turn, if you like, to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read in verse 10. It says this, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, and he makes this incredible speech. Watch this. He says, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. I'm going to skip ahead from that all the way down to verse 16. It says, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Man, I love great speeches. I love listening to great preaching. There's something about when you just hear a message that captures you, that inspires you, it does does something inside of you. I love it. I'm sure that everyone has probably seen the movie Braveheart. And, and in the movie, I just saw it recently. And in the movie, all the Scots have lined up to fight the English, you know. And, and, and as they are all lined up, there's uh, William Wallace and he's standing uh, at the front of the battlefield. And, and, and people are starting to complain. The people are complaining. And he hears this one guy call out to him and he says, you know, the English are too many. And, and then like he responds and he does this incredible speech. And you know how it ends. Everybody knows how it ends. He says, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Now, everyone is shouting and and screaming and cheering. And like the difference a minute ago is that everyone was like, we're going home. Like we're not fighting in this battle. 
fast forward a minute later, now they're like, we can win this war. We can do this battle. There's something about great speeches that inspire people, you know? And that's what, it, that's what confidence does to people. Hey, or great speeches, it inspires people with incredible confidence. And you see these great leaders in history, leaders like Joshua, who get up and make these incredible speeches. In fact, if you were new to church, this is probably perfect for you. Because if you were just tuning in today for the first time and you just hear me read that scripture and you don't even know who Joshua is. I mean, if anyone just opened the Bible in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament and just read the passage that I read, you would probably say, this guy is an amazing leader. Just look at him. And you look at people like this sometimes when they do great speeches or great feats, right? And sometimes it's easy to think, man, some people just have it. Some people just have it. They have confidence. They just exude confidence with whatever they do. Now, the thing about confidence is confidence can actually get you pretty far, you know? I mean, at least if you look confident, you can pull off something that would ordinarily be very difficult as long as you look confident when you're doing it. So let me give you an example. Like imagine if you go to the hairdresser and sometimes you know they wanna do this. They say, hey, and they try to get you to do something you don't ordinarily do. And maybe for you, it feels like a little bit extreme. And so you're gonna go for some kind of extreme haircut. Now, if you walk around like you're insecure, people are gonna pick that up. They're gonna see it, they're gonna know it, they're gonna know you feel insecure. So whatever haircut you've got right now, you just need to own it. You just own it. You just walk around and strut your stuff like you wanted it in the first place. Maybe you've tried on a pair of pants and you're looking at it and uh, you're thinking, I don't even know if I could pull this off. You know, you're in your 50s and you start to think, maybe I can wear the pants with rips or something, you know? And so you do it. Now, if you walk around and you feel insecure about it, <laughs> hey, guess what? Everyone's gonna know about that. It doesn't matter whether it's pants or a pair of shoes. You're like, can I pull those off? I don't know. You buy it, you wear it, you own it, and you're confident about it. And I'm telling you, people will just think you can pull it off. And it's because of how you handle yourself. I'm telling you, confidence does something. Confidence is good for people to have. And you know, sometimes people just have it. When you see someone that has incredible confidence, you know, they just look secure. They just look like they kind of got it together. And this is very important for Joshua in this passage to be very secure. And the reason why it's important for him to be secure is that he is telling all of the people that are in Israel that they are in three days about to cross over the River Jordan. And they, as soon as they get to the other side, they're gonna go into battle and they're gonna have to fight against the city, the city of Jericho. And if you don't know anything about Jericho, and let's face it, uh, that, that's probably widespread today. The city Jericho was a huge city. And they say that at the lowest points of the wall, it was 17 feet high. But then they also had like these turrets with these lookout posts, you know. And so if you, you know, measure the height of the lookout post, it was up to 25 feet. The walls were thick, 
They were solid. And I'm telling you, if you were going to go into battle and fight against an army who had that kind of advantage over you, they can stand over you, they can fire their arrows at you, all the rest, you're probably going to come off second best. So it's really important for them to be incredibly confident. But they need to take this city because if they don't take this city, then they cannot enter into the promised land. This is the land that God had promised to give the nation of Israel, and they need to take this city in order to do it. So you read the story and you look at it and you think, man, what an incredible leader Joshua is, you know? But can I tell you, the leaders don't just show up. Like if you just tuned in today and you were looking and started reading from the passage that I read out to you today and you had no background information on Joshua. You just sometimes think that leaders like this, they show up. No, they don't. In fact, leaders are not born, leaders are made. And so Joshua's story, it really starts all the way back in Egypt. It actually starts when uh, Israel were in slavery. And the thing is, is that we don't necessarily see Joshua's name while they're there, but we know he was part of that whole exodus as they left Egypt and then they moved through the wilderness and came to this place right now. We know Joshua was there. In fact, Joshua's upbringing, his whole uh, background and understanding was one of a slave. And he probably saw this guy Moses, maybe at a distance. Maybe there was a, there was a closer proximity because a lot of the commentators would say that Joshua was actually a prince within his tribe. There were 12 tribes and 12 princes. And so maybe he had a little more contact with Moses, but he was just part of everything that was going on there. I mean, he stood probably with all the other leaders being worried and concerned as Egypt was coming down and going to attack them when they were cornered between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. I mean, Joshua, just like all the other leaders and all the other people, he, he watched as the sea, the Red Sea began to split and part and he walked through with everyone else. He saw the Egyptians try to follow and the sea cover them over. He stood with everyone. And just like everyone else, they started off walking into the wilderness and they had gone without water for about three days. So everyone was complaining and they were kind of grumbling. And sometimes you can be a little harsh, but come on, in the desert, three days, no water. That's exactly how I would feel too, you know. And so they find this water, but the water is bitter. And then Moses does this miracle and, 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 and you know, God working through Moses, but it happens and all the bitter water is made sweet. And so now they can drink it. I mean, Joshua was there. He, he was part of this. And then, you know, they were walking around the desert. They needed something to eat. And, and suddenly there was manna that was all on the ground and and Joshua, he wouldn't have just seen it. Like Joshua ate the manna. He was able to see and, and participate in and be part of these incredible miracles that God was doing with the children of Israel. You know, they kept walking through the desert. One time they were stuck without water and Moses strikes the rock and the water begins to flow out and he had some of that water. Come on, you mean you hit a rock in the desert and water comes out? That's pretty amazing. And so he walks through all of these miracles and he has all of this experience. But the first time that we really see Joshua uh, mentioned by name is in this battle that Israel goes into with a guy called Amalek. Now Amalek had been picking off the stragglers of the children of Israel. Israel as they were walking through the desert. So they're going to go to war. Now, 
This is a city, or sorry, this is a nation that have come out of slavery. I mean, they're not a war kind of people. They had armor and they had some of these things, but now they're going to have to fight for the first time in their life like they've never done before. Now, when you lack a little bit of experience, it's easy to lack some confidence. And Moses says to Joshua, hey, I want you to lead this army against Amalek. Now, I don't know how Joshua was feeling, but you know, maybe he was freaking out a little bit, but God comes to Moses and he says, hey, Moses, I want you to pass on a message to Joshua. I want you to tell Joshua that I am going to completely obliterate Amalek and all of his people. Could you pass that on? So Moses goes to Joshua and he says, hey, guess what? By the way, right, all the people, Amalek's people, they're going to be obliterated by God. It's already been decided. It's going to happen. It's, it's, it's all good. Now, I don't know what that would do to you on the inside, but I'd be starting to feel better already. You know, I mean, gosh, God, if you already said that that we were going to fight this battle, I, I would feel so much better about that. And so when God gives this message to Moses, Moses actually builds a tabernacle. And so when he builds it or builds an altar to the Lord, and, and when he builds this altar, he actually names it and he calls it, the Lord is my banner. See, often what they would do is when God would do something special or unique, they would build an altar to the Lord right there and they would call it after the miracle that God was doing. And so when I hear that phrase, the Lord is my banner, I don't know what you think, but I kind of imagine like, like almost like a big flag or maybe like a, a, a big banner that stretches across from one side of the room to another, right? But if you read what really was that word for banner and what it really means, it actually, to translate it, it would be easier to say that it was like a mast. You know, like when you get a ship and a ship has a mast and it's like a, a, a big sort of timber pole that, that, that you know, holds the ship's uh, sails. Like that's what a mast is. So, so if you were going to translate this better, it wouldn't be banner. It'd probably be, it's more like a ship's mast. And see, if you're in a military situation, if you can imagine everyone's fighting a battle and everyone's fighting this war and, and, and like it's pretty hard to call out across the battlefield about what to do next and how to move. So armies, what they used to do is they would have this mast. And what they would do is at some point during the battle, they would lift up the mast. Come on, you've seen it if you've seen Braveheart or some of these other movies. They lift up the mast and everyone doesn't have to listen for what the words are. They look across the battlefield field, they see which mast has been lifted and then they fall and into line and they all move as one army. The whole idea of a mast is that it unifies the people. And so when Moses said, the Lord is my banner, they said, hey, as we follow you, as we see you and see what you're doing, we will fall in behind you, God, and you will unify all of these people, all the different tribes, all of us, and we will fight as one nation behind your mast. That's what all of that was really about. Now, can you imagine going into a battle that had already been decided? How good would that be? Come on, you'd feel a little bit confident, wouldn't you? Like you would feel a little bit confident if the battle was already meant to have been won. I mean, and God was really saying to them, hey, listen, you're, gonna, you're still going to have to go through the process. Yeah, you're still going to have to sing a sword, or you, you stab a few guys, you know. But, but at the end of the day, uh, it, it's been decided and the battle has already been won. I don't know about you, but man, I would feel so confident. It's already decided. 
Imagine if you were going into a bank and they said, yeah, you're applying for a loan, but we're already gonna give it to you. Imagine if you already had, you knew you were gonna get the loan. You'd feel comfortable. You'd feel confident. You wouldn't really worry too much about impressing the bank manager or the loan manager. You wouldn't worry too much about that. You already knew you had it. What if you had to go for a job and you knew somebody there and they said, listen, you know, we kind of officially, we still have to interview everyone, but the truth is you still, you've already got the job. We're already giving it to you, right? You would show up, you know, you'd dress appropriately and you'd have a chat, but you feel confident, don't you? You know why you feel confident? You've already got the job. Imagine if you're going out on a date and it's your first date with the girl of your dreams, right? And, and as you're getting ready, God comes and He speaks to you and He says, hey, this girl you're going on a date with, yeah, she's gonna be your wife. Man, you would have some swagger about you. You would feel a little bit confident. Like, don't get me wrong. You're still gonna pay for dinner. You're still gonna treat her like a lady. You're gonna do everything that you need to do, right? Gosh, we're living in a day and age where that might've actually offended someone. Ladies, if you wanna pay for your own meal, go right ahead. But anyway, that's what I would do, okay? So you're still gonna have to prepare for it, but man, she's gonna be your wife. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. Ladies, if you were going on a date with this guy and he said, hey, this is gonna be your husband, you'd be like, hey, however this thing turns out, it's gonna be okay because we're gonna get married. How do I know? God's already decided. There's something about knowing the future in that way that fills you with absolute confidence in the moment. This is what I've learned to be true about God. God will often set up your past because He plans to use it in your future. So what happens is sometimes we're going through stuff right now. Maybe it does feel like a battle and you're going through it right now, but you know that you're still gonna get to the other side. And you know that problem that you're dealing with right now, that issue that you're facing, that thing that seems like it's impossible, that thing that you don't even know how you're gonna get through, you just know that you will eventually, that thing right there, eventually that thing in your present, it will become your history. Now here's what happens when it becomes your history. You've had a little bit of experience in the area of that problem and you have come out the other side. Now with that experience, you have something to reflect on and help other people that are going through that experience. It's amazing to me how many people's problems end up becoming their ministries later on. It becomes their ministry because they've had experience, they know how to handle it, they know how to get through it. And God, when He's preparing you for ministry, will allow you to go through battles so that on the other side of it, you're able to help people. I'm telling you right now, God sets you up for your future. He's planning your future. So He's putting stuff into your present right now just to help you along the way. He's preparing you. And in this story, as we read this, God has been building Joshua's experiences. He's been building his experiences as he's gone through all of the, the desert and the, you know, come on, the, the bitter water turns sweet. And, and, and then, you know, while he's been in the desert, the manna and then the water out of the rock and all of this, what is he doing? He's building his experiences. And he has this fight with Amalek and they win, by the way, amazing victory. It's an incredible story if you read it, right? But he's giving him these opportunities to grow 
because one day he's going to be this incredible leader. So at this point in the story, he actually gives Joshua and 11 other guys this incredible opportunity to define their leadership experience. As they've been navigating their way through the wilderness, God says, I want to take you into the promises I have for you. I want to give you the promised land. And God comes to Moses and He says to Moses, I want you to pick out 12 people. We'll call them spies. They're going to go into the promised land. They're going to spy out the land. This is where we pick up the story. I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 13 and verse 17. It says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up into Negeb and into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are weak or strong, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether the trees, uh, whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit, uh, bring back some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now, if you jump down to verse 25, I'm just going to skip a little bit there. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So that's important. They've been there for 40 days. They're spying out the land. Verse 26. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. Come on, just like God said, it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So far, so good. But now they have a major problem. They say, however... The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And now there's this other major issue besides we saw the descendants of Anak there. And those people were really big, really strong, super intimidating people. So eventually they come back and they, and they bring this whole report back to Moses and all of the people. Now, I was reading this and I was thinking to myself, God, if you already said that they were going to have the promised land and they were going to take these cities and everything, what does it really matter if the people are strong or weak? Are you going to take it anyway? What does it matter if they're few or many? Or if the land that they dwell in is good or bad? Or whether they dwell in camps or strongholds? Or whether it's rich or poor? I mean, what does, it, what does any of that stuff matter? And this is one of the things that I've discovered about God is that even when you know He's going to do something in your life, His providence includes your preparation. His providence includes your preparation. Just because God is going to give something to you doesn't mean you are completely removed from the picture. In fact, God takes into consideration what you're doing, how you're preparing for it, and He uses that. Now, I've read this story and, and here's what I don't get about it. These guys come back and 10 of the 12 spies bring this terrible report. This is the thing I don't get. They all have the same history. Every single one of them have the same history. 
They've all gone through the Red Sea. They all came out of Egypt. They all saw the bitter water turn sweet. They all ate the manna. They also saw the water come out of the rock. They all fought against Amalek. They've all gone through the same things. But you know what? You got 12 guys who go through the same stuff. They have the exact same history and two of them see it one way and 10 of them see it another way completely. Some people, they just don't learn from God's faithfulness. It's like God continues to bless them and help them. And rather than see God as trustworthy, they continue to walk with fears and doubts and worries and concerns, right? And these people, they just didn't learn. Well, one of the 12 spies, his name was Caleb. And Caleb said, come on, guys, we can do this. And the 10 said, no, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. And then they do this really weird thing where they start to project. They said, we seem like grasshoppers to ourselves and we also seem like grasshoppers to them. That was part of what they said to the congregation and to Moses and to Aaron. They said, we seem like grasshoppers to them. Now, what's happening here? And this is where it gets a little bit weird, right? They're actually totally projecting their insecurities and all of their fears. You know that you're in trouble when you start to imagine what other people are thinking about you and you start to concern yourself with your projection of what they think, that's when you're really confused. You have imagined that some people are thinking bad things about you. And because you've imagined that they're thinking about it, now you're worried about it. The only thing is they've never thought it. No one's ever said anything about you, but you're still concerned and worried. And imagine projecting onto people, being so concerned about what other people think about you, that your own mental projections of what they might think is enough to stop you from stepping out into the promises of God. Imagine if if there were people that, that God had called them, He'd gifted them, He'd graced them, and He said, this is your ministry, and this is where I want you to go, and this is what I want you to do, and I've prepared you for this moment. And you say, but what will other people think about me? The truth is, most of the time, they're not thinking anything. They're not not even imagining anything about you. But you're so worried about what other people might think, it prevents you from being able to move forwards. This, man, this is not the way that the people of God are supposed to live. If you have a relationship with God, you're supposed to trust Him. You step out into what He's asked you to do without fear, worry or concern about what or in your imagination about what other people might think about you. So what happens? They, they come back, they tell Moses, they tell Aaron, they tell all the people and this is what happens. They're starting to sow seeds of doubt. Now, when you sow seeds of doubt, there's only one thing that you're going to reap and you reap fear. They're sowing doubt and they're reaping fear. And all the people in Israel, when they hear all of this, they start to really freak out. They start to worry about it. They say, hey, is the Lord trying to kill us? Is He trying to kill us? Did He he set us up to fail? Can you imagine with the kind of history that they'd had and everything that God had done for them up to this moment. And now there's their chance, their opportunity to actually possess the promises, the ones that were made to Abraham, the ones that were passed through all the generations. And they are meant to be the generation that gets to walk in it. And they freak out because they're so scared. They're so worried. Well, Caleb and Joshua they hear all this and they respond. Here's what they say in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 6. It says, Then Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh 
who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes and they said to all the congregation, to the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. I love this next part. They are bread for us. Have you eaten today? They are bread for us. I haven't had breakfast. These people will be our breakfast. We're going to destroy them completely. He says their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Here's the crazy part. Then all the congregation said to stone these two faithful guys, Joshua and Caleb, let's stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And it was because God showed up at that exact moment that they didn't stone the only two faithful guys that had gone out to spy out the land. This is an incredible story. How, how did this happen? Why did this happen to them? Do you know, as a result of the people's lack of faith in God, here's, here's what God said. He said, you will spend one year in the wilderness for every day you spent spying out the land. How long did they spend spying out the land? 40 days. How long do they have to spend in the wilderness? 40 years. They delayed the promises of God for 40 years. And why? Man, why did this happen? It happened because they had no confidence. They just looked inside themselves and they said, we are not able to do this. We can't do it. Here's what you got to know. I got to tell you that obedience is the fastest way to God's plan for your life. Obedience is the fastest way to God's plan for your life. And the reason why that's incredibly important is because the opposite is also true. Disobedience is the scenic route. Disobedience is the long way to God's plans for your life. Listen, if you want to go forwards in life, sometimes you've got to go back and do the last thing that God told you to do because God doesn't let you skip. Every step is building preparation in your life for the thing that He's bringing next. So if you're trying to avoid what God has asked you to do and circumnavigate it and go around it, God just keeps coming back to you and saying, you've got to go back to do the last thing I told you so that I can get you prepared for the next thing that I have for you. Let me explain something about confidence. Confidence comes from knowing God's abilities, not yours. Confidence comes from knowing God's abilities, not yours. When you look inside yourself, whenever God asks people to do anything and they look inside themselves, the truth is at some point, most of us are met with this insecurity or most of us are met with inadequacy about what we think we can do and what we think we can't do. But why should we feel like that when it's God, if God is our confidence, if He's the one that's called us, if He's the one that's spoken? You've got to lean on God. You've got to lean on His ability, lean on what He's able to do. You know, sometimes I see these, um, these memes and there's nothing wrong with this meme, by the way. In fact, I've probably liked it. You know, I've made, I don't know, maybe I've even shared it before. I don't know. But, but these memes that come up and, and they say things like, Hey, don't worry. 
you've got this. And sometimes I think to myself, well, that sounds nice. It's a cute statement, but I'm constantly surrounded by situations that are beyond my control. And you know, the quickest path to anxiety is to try to control things that are outside of your ability to control. Like if you really want to be overcome with fear, try to manage everything that is outside of your ability to manage. And that starts to make you anxious. It starts to make you worried. It starts to make you concerned. You know, you you don't have to control anything. If you're going to be confident, you're confident because you say, okay, I I don't really have this, but, but I know that God does. God's got this. And I'm not going to worry and I'm not fretting and I'm not concerned, right? Because even though I know that I probably don't have all of this covered, one thing I absolutely know is that God's got this. See, spiritually confident people, they don't trust in their abilities alone. If you ever see a really spiritually confident person, you know what they're really doing? They are trusting in God's ability. They lean completely on Him to work everything that they cannot manage for the outcome that He desires. That's where confidence really comes from. And when I see this and I see Joshua and the difference between these spies and and, and the confident people, and I I look at them all, the, the, the 12 spies that were there, I don't know about you, But I want more of what Caleb and Joshua had. I want that kind of confidence. I I want to live like that all of the time. And if you want that kind of confidence, right, where, where, where can you get it from? Where do you get that? Where do you get the kind of confidence that looks at a situation where you feel totally outmatched, totally outclassed, and you still look at that situation and say, it's okay, God's got it. It's all right. I'm totally relaxed. I sleep at, with peace in my heart every single night. Why? I'm not worried. Why? Because God's got this. Where do you get that kind of confidence? I think perhaps the reason that Joshua had more confidence is because he spent more time with God. Remember, as God is where you get your confidence from. So if confidence comes from knowing God's ability, the more time you spend with Him, the more you're able to hear His voice, the more you're able to lean on Him, the more you're able to trust Him. It does something inside of you. I don't know if you know this about Joshua, but you know when Moses went up the mountain to be given the Ten Commandments, and the first five books of the Bible that we read in the Old Testament. When he went up the mountain, he left the people at the bottom. The elders came up a little bit of the way. He went all the way, but just below was Joshua. Joshua was up there with him. Joshua spent all this time with God in his presence. There he was, just behind Moses, just learning to try to discern the voice of God. You know, when Moses came back down the mountain, he actually built this tent. We just read about it actually, it's called the Tent of Meeting. And it was a tent that was placed outside the camp of Israel. 
And Moses would go to it frequently and he would walk in and spend time in the presence of God and he would walk out of that tent again and walk into the camp and people would see him, you know, and, and he had what we call the Shekinah glory on his face. It was that he had spent so much time in the presence of God that his face literally and physically began to shine. It was so awesome that he would veil his face so that people didn't have to see the glory of the Lord. People were kind of scared of Moses, kind of freaked them out a little bit. So here's Moses. He, what he would do is he would come and he would go. He would walk into the tent of meeting and he would leave the tent of meeting. But if you read what the scriptures say, they say that Joshua stayed. He attended to it. He made sure that everything was right in the tent of meeting. He just sit there. He just listen. I think that he spent so much time in the presence of God that he began to really know who God was. And, and that's what it really is. is is that Joshua had his own revelation of who God is. He knew who God was for himself. So you look at the story again and you see these 12 spies and up until this moment, Moses had done everything for them. Come on, it was Moses at the Red Sea, Moses with the bit of water turned sweet. It was Moses with the manna, it was Moses who struck the rock in the desert. It was always Moses, Moses, Moses. But now for the first time, he says, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to build your own faith. 12 spies go out, 10 come back and they say it's impossible. Two say it is, right? What was the difference with the ones that did? They had a revelation of who God was. See, this is the thing about God and church and everything. It's like, you gotta get some of this revelation for yourself. You can't just sit and watch a message and tune in and frequently and not read the Bible and not pray to God and feel extra spiritual because you're just around something spiritual that's happening. You got to get your own revelation. You got to be able to listen to the voice of God. And I know that sounds kind of tricky, but the more time you spend with Him, the more time you start to discern His voice. You know, it's okay to get it wrong sometime, but you got to get your own revelation. You can't live vicariously through a preacher. You can't live vicariously through the faith of other people. That's why we say that faith is personal. It belongs to you. It's about your relationship with God. It's not just exclusively about the community. It's about, do you know Kim? Does He know you? Do you have a connection? Do you have that kind of relationship? So 40 years later, David's walked around the wilderness, 40 years later, they get a second chance. That's where I started today. When Joshua said, hey, get ready. In three days, we're crossing the Jordan River and we're going over and we're going to take Jericho. This is the second time that they've heard this. And they, they say, we're not gonna mess it up this time. You know what I love about God is that God doesn't, Look at your failure and say, that's it for you. It's over, it's done. I love that God gives you second chances, sometimes third chances. He said to Israel, hey, you can have another shot at this. Will you be faithful this time? It's kind of interesting when you read the story they, that the people said, hey, just as, as we obeyed Moses and everything will obey you and everything. And I thought, I don't know if you really did the first time. Weren't you overcome with fear? Weren't you overcome with concern? Weren't you overcome with worry? But, but here they are, it's the second time. And they said, we're not gonna mess this up. They're about to cross over into the, over the River Jordan and have the very first battle. 
this battle against this impenetrable city, this one that no one has ever been able to take and capture, and here they are. So the story moves on, and there's Joshua. It says, by Jericho, just hanging out, just looking at everything that's about to happen, thinking, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. Have you ever felt like that, where you were just so confident, but you don't know why? It's like, God, I know that you're with us, but we still don't have a strategy here. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we just know that it's okay. And you're going to show up and you're going to do something. And he sees someone. He sees someone on the on the battlefield, a, a man with his sword drawn. He, he goes over to inspect who this person is. Listen to this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? I love the response. He says, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said, What does my Lord say to His servants? So he realized that he was actually having an encounter with God. In verse 15, it says, The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Just like Moses had an encounter. Nearly the same thing. Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. It's made holy by the presence of God. And now here he is. And if you go on and you read the story, you know what it is? It is he gives them this incredible way that they're going to take the city, but but he has this meeting with God. It's those meetings with God. It's those encounters with God that begin to shape you and fill you with confidence. You know, it just filled him with confidence. And he said to, I love what he says to me. God said to him, hey, I'm not just here to watch all of this unfold. I'm here to fight for you. I love that. I love that because God still does that. Can I tell you that God still fights for people? Can I tell you right now that that while Joshua had to cross onto the battlefield to meet with the presence of God, right now, even while I say this, right now, the presence of God is here. In the room where you're listening to this, and it doesn't even matter where you are, You could be in your bedroom. You're out sitting, watching this with your family. Maybe you're just catching this on your way into work one day. But I tell you, God is not far. He's closer than hands. He's closer than feet. He's with you. Man, one of the things I've discovered about life is that everyone has a Jericho. Everyone has an impossible problem. The commander of the Lord's army says to Joshua, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to the city and for six days, you're going to walk around at once. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And then at the end, you are going to shout and praise and make a noise to God. I I love it. It's like they're just worshiping Him. So often, you know what we want? We want to see the breakthrough before we give God the praise. And this story, he says, you will give God some praise and then I will show you the breakthrough. The whole city, the whole nation, everyone's going to sing. Everyone's going to shout. Everyone's going to get excited. And when you do that, that will mean that everything will shift in your 
your world right now. And so that's what we gotta be like sometimes. We gotta be people that say, God, I give you praise now this side of the breakthrough. I'm not waiting till the walls are falling down before I give you praise. I give it to you now. I give it to you here because you're worthy of all of our praise and all of our honour. Well, if you read what happens in the story, it says the walls of Jericho fall down. People have come since this time and excavated the city. They say it's as if the blocks, if the 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 the, uh, the, the city walls, it's as if they were pushed out. The people of God, they run in and they they take over the city. It's an incredible story. Imagine that. They shouted, they praised, they gave God thanks, and He fought all their battles for them. It's an incredible story. And if you hear that story, you say, hey, what does that have to do with me? Everything. Because God is still doing this for people. He still fights their battles. He fights battles that you'll never see. See, oftentimes what people do is they say, where was God here and where was God there? You can only ever say that about the things that you've seen. You don't understand what God has protected you from. You don't understand how He's brought you to this place to be where you are right here and right now. If you wanna live like Joshua, you've gotta let God fight some battles for you and let God be your confidence. Your confidence doesn't come from being able to control everything. That's anxiety. Your confidence comes from being present with the one who can control everything that happens. You know, I think the the biggest, greatest battle that God has ever fought and won, and, and this one was impressive, but the biggest battle that God has ever fought and won is the one to reach every person. See, see, our Jericho, whether you know this or not, our Jericho is trying to be perfect. That's our Jericho. You know, God has a standard to what we're supposed to live up to. That standard is perfection. Our Jericho is the standard because we can never be perfect enough to impress God. I'll never be good enough to get into heaven. I can't change my behaviour and be perfect and manage every thought and everything that ever happens. You know, we all seem to some at some point want to go our own way. That's why our biggest problem that we've ever faced as the human race is sin. But this is a battle that's already been fought and won. You know, when Jesus came and He died on the cross for people's sins, it's just like that story in Jericho. He went and He fought on behalf of them. He did it for them and they just learned to walk into that victory. This is exactly what the Gospel is all about. When Jesus died on the cross for people's sins, He said, I'm gonna do a great exchange with you. You can't live a perfect life, but I can live that one for you. And they'll die the death that you should die because the penalty for sin is death. And He said, and if you trust in me and you give your heart and your life to me, He said, I tell you what, I will give you all of that victory. You'll be forgiven for every wrong thing you've ever done and I will take your punishment for you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. See, it's already been fought and it's already been won. And all we gotta do is learn to walk in it. Man, we serve an incredible God. I want, I want to pray for people today who maybe in your own heart, in your own world, you, maybe you, you're overcome with anxiety, you're lacking confidence. Maybe you're lacking confidence because you've been trying to do things in your own strength. You've been trying to do it on your own. But I think right now, more than ever before, you've got to let God be your confidence. You've got to draw near to Him. You gotta get your own revelation of who He is. And so if that's you today and you're hearing this and you say, that's what I need right now, let me pray for you. 
Father God, I just thank you for every person who says, yeah, I'm worried about the future. I'm concerned about my ability to handle it. I don't know what it holds for me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh Lord, would you come right now and be their confidence? Not that they can control everything, but that you can. And I pray God in this moment, they would lean on you, that they would learn from you, that they would trust in you. And now every fear and worry and anxiety, I pray in Jesus' name, let that just come down right now. As they roll all of their trust onto you, let it just come down right now. I pray that peace that surpasses their hearts or surpasses their understanding, guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.